Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I was reminded uh, recently in a conversation with my daughter that one of the things that I really love about the Bible is that it's honest. Um, it's emotional. It, it, it tells the truth, not just in, in the sense of there are facts presented, but it, it, it reveals hearts. It reveals who we are. There's passion and there's, there's, uh, there's warning and, and despair and heartbreak and hope, and and fear, and adventure, and and it's full of all of this stuff. It's like life is. Um, It's honest in how it deals with the reality of the human condition, and Jesus is honest that way too. Our gospel reading uh, starts off this way. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And just in that one verse from Luke 18, it says so much about our condition and who Jesus is. I mean, this it, it's a parable. He wants us to know we should always pray because guess what? He knows we don't, Right? He he wants us to know, never give up, because he knows we do. Um, it, it, sometimes we don't pray at all. Sometimes we start off praying, but it's so hard to keep on praying. Uh, sometimes we just get tired or or discouraged because we've been praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing happens, and and our hearts just get weighed down and, you know, brokenhearted, frustrated. We, we lose hope because it looks like nothing's ever going to change. It's easy to stop. And we all get there. Uh, before Don and I and our family moved here, when we were living in Georgia, we had a, a, we had a time. We, we went through... Uh, something the the local bank that had the loan for our house was closed by the FDIC because of improper business practices. And uh, it started off that at, at you know you drive by and it looks like the windows are boarded up and you know what's going on and then we didn't have a place to go and and pay our our monthly payment and. So where do we send our payment? And it took a while to figure that out. And the FDIC was holding it, and so we sent it to them for a while until we got that back in the mail. Uh, There was refused. They no longer hold the loan. And so, well, where did it go? And so it took us a while to find out. Took a, you know, and that's a scary thing. You know, because here we are. We're living in a house, and we can't make the payments on it. And what, what's going to happen, right? I mean, are we supposed to know where this is? We haven't gotten anything in the mail, or did they mail it? And 
and somehow we threw it away by mistake, or, you know, what's going on? And uh, finally, I tracked down the company that had it. Turns out it was an investing company, and they had bought the loan for pennies on the dollar. It's kind of bad, bad debt because the bank was closed. And so they bought our loan. And uh, when I tracked them down and called them and said, oh, thank goodness, you have our loan. I have all the payments to send you. Their reply was, we don't want your payments. We want you to pay off the entire thing. And so Don and I had been praying. You know, we're praying over this thing because it's worrisome. You know, we, we didn't know where it was, and we're praying, oh, God, straighten this out, straighten this out. Lord, help us to find the place. Straighten this out. Straighten this out. Please, Lord, help us. You know, we, we, we make phone calls. We, you know, and, and so when I, when I hear that news, it's just a, it was a blow in the pit of my stomach. And it's, you know, what do you do? So, so I kept calling them. I wrote them letters and emails. We got counsel, you know, the, the best we knew. We tried negotiating. We prayed some more. We, uh, but they refused to accept our payments and demanded that we pay them off, which we couldn't do. We, because of what had happened with that bank, we couldn't get another mortgage. And so we were, we started getting brokenhearted, you know, it, because all the praying we're doing, we. we it just didn't seem like anything was happening. Um, after a, a while of this, it, it got worse. Um, they filed a lawsuit against us for the property. And at that point, oh, my goodness, you know, my, my heart just dropped out of my chest. And, and, you, and I felt like, why have I been praying all this time? You know, and, and, and it's, it was not... My first reaction was not to go and pray more. My first reaction was to give up. Now, I don't think I'm alone in that. I, th- I think that you've probably been in a situation, you know, maybe not with your house or with a loan, but you've been in a situation where your heart just melts away. And, and it's not easy to pray. And you don't want to. And I certainly know that that's... True, we find that over and over in the scriptures. The scriptures are so honest about that. Um, David in the Psalms, he's honest about about those things. Uh, our Psalm today, I mean, think about what's going on in David's heart to write this. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? You ever felt that way? Forever? It sure seems like it. How long will you look the other way? Because I know you're not looking at me. You ever been there? I have. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? like, yeah, this company has the upper hand. They hold the loan. They're demanding payment. They brought lawsuit, and we have no recourse. How long? 
We all get to this place. Jesus got to a similar place in the, in the garden, you could say. And he, he knows that we need the encouragement. And that's why he, he tells the parable that he tells. That's why he encourages us, even here, keep praying, don't stop. So he tells the tale. It says, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. So we know already that he's breaking the two greatest commandments, which are love God and love your neighbor, right? So we already know he doesn't care about the first two commandments. But the thing in Jewish society, the honesty and integrity of a judge was highly valued. I mean, the judge had absolute power. Uh, He answered to no one. We have checks and balances. They didn't. He made decisions about people's lives. And if a judge feared neither God nor man, he was a villain. And he and there was no recourse against him. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, we don't know what the dispute was, but she obviously felt that she was in an unjust situation And the only recourse that she had was going to the judge, but she had to do it repeatedly because he kept shooing her off. Because widows in this time, um, I think I've, yeah, widows in this time, they were just the opposite of, of judges. Judges had all the power and widows had none. They were one of society's most defenseless beings. Um, We, in our Our culture, our society, we have been taught, primarily because of the teachings of Jesus and how we apply them, we have been taught to protect and honor widows. But in their culture, they hadn't been taught that yet. Jesus is, you know, he's still walking around. Those lessons haven't sunk in. And widows were, were, when her husband died, all of her assets went to her sons. Not to her. She didn't get them. Her sons got them. And if her sons didn't treat her well, she's out of luck. If she doesn't have sons, it goes to her brother. If she doesn't have brothers, it goes to his brothers. I mean, you know, it's, but none of it goes to hers. She's, and she has to rely on the goodwill of somebody else. She has no rights. Uh, whoever inherited, they were legally bound to provide something for her, but they decided what it was. She had no say. She had no advocate. She was completely dependent on them and defenseless if it was unjust. She could cry out all day and night, and nobody had to pay attention to her. So whatever this woman's legal issue was, and we don't know, maybe she was getting maltreated by whoever had the inheritance, but we don't know. But she goes to the judge, and the judge, A, doesn't have to listen, and B, we know this judge had no reason to listen because he doesn't love God or man. And he just keeps sending her off. But she keeps coming back. Now, how long can you do that? Don't, don't we feel like that when we approach God sometimes? Have you ever done that? You know, it's like you pray and you pray and you pray and it's like nothing's coming from heaven. Nothing's coming from heaven. I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. They're coming right back at me. How long do you keep on? 
The judge ignored her for a while. She's refused justice, you know, but but she doesn't come back after. I mean, she she keeps on coming back, but after a while, it may have she may have started to ask that question: Is this really worth it? I mean, have you ever wondered if it's worth it to keep praying? Doesn't it seem that God's ignoring us at times? But, but finally, but finally he said to himself, yeah, I don't fear, fear God or care about people, but this woman's driving me crazy. I mean, I, it, it reminds me of the mosquito, right? That keeps coming and buzzing in your ear, starts driving you crazy after a while. This woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Now, she keeps coming back. Isn't this a great picture? She keeps coming back and wears him down until he does something about it. And then Jesus says something. The Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Even he, which, which means, I mean, this is the example of the lowest of the low, and even he rendered a just decision. Don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And if you and I are sitting in Sunday school class, we go, well, of course he will. Yes, we know. But I tell you what, in those times when the bank is closed, the, the, the mortgage is gone, the unjust company has it, they won't negotiate, and then they sue you, at some point you start saying, well, it looks like he's putting me off. And you've been there. I don't know your situation, but you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. Where you feel like I'm coming to you over and over, and where are you? It's exactly what David felt like when he wrote that psalm. But then again, we have the examples in Scripture of the people that kept on praying. I mean, we heard about Elijah this morning who's, who's praying for rain. God says, I'm going to make it rain, and there's not a cloud in the sky. And Elijah goes up to the top of the mountain, and he's praying. He tells the servant, go check. Are there any clouds? When we went to Israel, we were on top of Mount Carmel where Elijah was praying. And it's not far from the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where storms blow in from. I mean, if you look in the distance, you think you might be able to see the sea right there. It's not that far. And the servant keeps going and saying, nah, it's nothing. And Elijah prays more. He's like, okay, go check now. No, nothing. All right. And he prays again. Oh, God, you said. <laughs> go check. Nope, nothing. But on, on the eighth time that, that Joshua prays and the servant comes back and he says, well, I see this little wisp of a cloud. It's not very big. And Elijah's like, go tell Ahab. It's going to rain. 
And, and, and it did. The clouds came. So we have examples with, with people like Elijah who, who kept on praying. We have examples like David was one. Um, excuse me, Daniel. Daniel was one. Daniel prayed for weeks that God would give him insight on this vision that he'd been given. And he prayed for weeks seeking that insight. And finally, an angel shows up and said, hey, I was dispatched as soon as you started praying. But I had to fight through some battles to get here for for three weeks. But Daniel was still praying when he got there. David, who wrote the song, in verse 5, came back around to something that was true, even though I don't know if it felt true at the time. Because things can be true even though they don't feel true. But David knew this was true. And he said, but I trust in your unfailing love. Why don't we read verse 5 together? But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, this is true even though there are times it doesn't feel true. You know what I mean? There are times it feels like this is wrong, but it's not. And we need to remember, I need to remember, you need to remember, in your current circumstance, it may be heartbreaking, but that is not your total experience of God. Not even close. And we have to anchor ourselves in what is true rather than anchoring ourselves in what it feels like. Now, I may have forgotten in the moment about all the answers to prayer that God had provided up to that point. But God has answered. And time time again... In my life, in your life, in the, in the lives that we read about and in the scriptures where people, even though they despair and they, they'll keep on, we see that God is good. And God does not forsake. And so Jesus encourages us to keep on coming and keep on praying. Because if an unjust judge can be persuaded, how much more is God persuaded and on your side? And isn't it true that prayer is a conversation? That prayer is not just me putting out my list of demands and walking away. Isn't it true that when, when we'll come to him and we'll take time to listen, that we may very well have that whisper in our spirit of things aren't always as they seem. Or here's how you can change your prayer. Or here's what I'm doing. Or be patient, it's not yet ready. Or, I mean, can't we hear those things? We can be redirected. We can eventually have a bit of a heart change. And Dawn and I did. I did. 
we decided that we could trust God and keep on praying for him to make a way even though it looked like there wasn't a way. This verse was big to me. We know that God, Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that everything, God causes everything to work to good. Now, do you think that God causes the bad things in our lives? Well, some of them, we may think they're bad, but they're not. But realize, we've got an enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy. That's not God. But God can even make those things that the enemy wants to do in our lives. He'll change it. He'll work in it and redeem it and make it work for good. Now, Don and I got to the point where instead of being in despair that our house may be taken away and we might, I don't know, we didn't know what we'd do. But we decided that we could trust God and that he'd figure something out. And whether or not we owned the house, that wasn't the make or break in our lives according to what was right and good. Now, the day came when we had to sit down in a court-ordered mediation with this company. And we went into that mediation willing to lose it all and put it all on the table. In fact, at, at one point in the middle of it, she and I talked to her like, I guess that's it. We'll just tell them, it's yours. Take it. But we were okay with that. I mean, it was, you know, still, ugh. But we were okay with that. And we went back to the table, and let me tell you what. It turned around, and it wasn't because we're good negotiators. We had nothing to negotiate with. But God delivered us, and he enabled us to sell off that property because we came to Florida, and we needed a house in Florida. And the proceeds from that property could go toward a property here. And maybe that's why it took so long. Maybe... Maybe God knew, hey, you know, y'all aren't in Florida yet. I'm just going to hold this on for a little while. I don't know what it looked like from his perspective. All I know is that when we needed something down here, he provided from that situation that looked like it was going to be awful for us. It turned out to be a great blessing for us. Thanks be to God. Maybe it took a, a while for this company to, uh, to get worn down. I don't know. They were, I kept telling them, y'all are trying to squeeze water out of a rock here. I, I got no more water. You know, and they were like, oh, he's got water. And, and after a while, they got tired of trying to figure it out. But anyway, it worked. And God brought something good out of even that. Now, if we had quit praying I'm not sure that that would have happened. Maybe it would have, but it makes me question it. But God encouraged us, and eventually my heart changed, and we came out of it with a deeper relationship with God, and now I have something that I can share about what God did 
that brings glory to God because he's the one that was faithful through the whole thing. And it's not because of who we are, it's because of who he is. Now Jesus concludes this parable and he says, I tell you, I'm being straight up with you. God will grant justice to you quickly. Then he asks a question. He says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And a better way of saying that is, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? Will he find faithfulness? He's not talking about, do I have people who can give me the right answers in Sunday school? He's talking about, are there going to be people that keep on like this woman kept on? That you're faithful because it's important to be faithful. How many blessings do we leave on the table because we walk away? We don't know, but we leave them there. There may be some things that you have quit praying for. That you've gotten broken hearted enough that you've said it's just not, it's not worth it. God must not care about this. And it's not that God has told you that. You've told you that. Maybe it's, uh, it's prayers for his guidance in your business or, or his blessing on your marriage or your family or, or that you can go and do something that you're passionate about, but you've quit. You've gotten tired of going back repeatedly and being told no or not hearing anything. Maybe it's prayers for healing. Prayers for the church. Maybe it's prayers for a family member or friends. I'm being reminded through this study that we're doing about how I used to pray so much. Even before my children were born, I was praying for them to know the Lord and to to grow up and for them to have godly spouses and children. It's like, whoa, I quit praying that somewhere along the way. I need to get back to that. I don't know what it is that you may have quit praying about, but maybe it's time to pick it back up. His reminder is always pray and never give up. That's something we've got to circle. So whatever it is that you may have given up praying about, why don't we pause right now and hit your knees if you can and just do, you and the Lord, just do some business in private. You don't have to pray it out loud. But pick up those prayers and pray again with faith because he says always pray and never give up. Let's pray.
that you can hear us bringing these prayers back to you. You can see the dust blowing off, you know, that we're blowing off of them. But we offer them again to you. You're faithful, God, and you have never given up. And Lord, you want us to come, to keep coming back and to lay these things before you. Put them in your hands day after day. Lord, we ask that you would look with mercy and that you would answer these prayers as may be best for us. That you would work them into your plans and purposes for our lives and for what you're doing on this earth. When you come back, oh God, may you find us faithful. And may we be steadfast in prayer. All glory be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.